we just finished up a series called 30 for 30, if you weren't with us. We were just teaching about the Word of God and the power therein, and uh, we challenged ourselves to read the Bible every day for 30 days, and then post as, what God, as God was showing us things to post it online, and we just got a couple of days left in February, and, uh, and then, so make sure you get some, some postings in there towards the end. I started with believing to have 30 days of reading the Word and 30 days of posting. I ended up with 30 days of reading the Word and about like 15 days of posting. Anyway, but so I'm, I'm not as good of a leader as I thought I was. Anyway, but, but some of you did so much better. I'm so proud of you, but the Lord has just been really inspiring us in His Holy Word and transforming our lives. Today, we're going to do something a little different. Next week, we're starting a series that we're called Dancing with the Star. I'm going to teach you how to walk in relationship with the Holy Spirit and uh, what that looks like and the awkwardness of that whole process, like learning to dance and how difficult that can be. That's why the whole concept for the month of March is kind of dancing. And, uh, and so as a result, uh, we're going to actually have little dance lessons. It'll be godly. We're not going to teach you how to booty dance in the clubs, you little devils. Anyway, I mean, you, you blessings. And uh, no, but we're, I want you to be able to go to a wedding and be able to dance and not go, uh, uh, uh. And, uh, and so anyway, so, um, so that'll be fun. But today, we thought that, uh, we, we lined out this year that three or four times this year, we would actually study or teach you the culture of Church on the Hill, our Koth culture as we're calling it, and the culture of our house. Now, I don't know about you, but when I went to get married, I realized that Jamie and I had two different cultures. For me and my family, when you woke up on Saturday mornings, my mama cracked the whip. You scrubbed the toilets, you cut the grass, you cleaned the house. Come on, you with me? You cleaned the cars, and you could not leave the house. I don't care if you were 21. You could not leave the house until it was all done, and it had to be spark, sparkling and spick and span. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So then I married Jamie, and our first Saturday together, I jump up, and I'm like, let's do it, let's go. And she's like, what are you doing? what's wrong with you? I'm going to cook some breakfast. I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, what do you mean? I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, what are you doing? And come to find out, her family on Saturdays, they woke up at a good normal late time in the morning. They got up. They fixed breakfast. They got in the shower. They put on makeup for two hours. And then they got in the cars and they went. They went shopping and they just enjoyed the day. Can you imagine taking her culture and my culture and putting that together? It was, it was mayhem the first, the first year of marriage. And so I'm just telling you, I was like, no, I will win out. We will have a house that's clean on Saturdays. I was like, when did y'all clean house? And she goes, well, we just cleaned house every bit, every day, just a little bit every day. I was like, so when did y'all clean house? And so she's like, no, no, let me tell you something. We will not jump up on Saturdays. Friend, I want you to know something. We've been married 25 years, and I want you to know something right now. Every Saturday morning, we wake up, we have some breakfast and (laughs) some things like that. The culture of our house. Every church has its own culture, things that are important to it. See, all of us value the same things. We all value the same things. We We all value some beautiful things that we all agree on. The problem with relationships and culture is that you may value something though that I value but you may value it just a little higher for example do you value worship I do I think it's very important do you value the preaching of the word I really do because I'm the one doing it do you value kids ministry yes do you value do you value uh you know a nice uh, experience with the cafe yes do you value outreach yes do you value uh, uh evangelism yes so which one's more important worship or evangelism see the problem is not that we don't value the same things we just put them in different or- order of importance 
And so what makes a culture a culture is that we come together and we say, even though I may not value that at the same place you value it, I value it nonetheless and I value you. And so as a result, I'm going to fight through that dif- dif- uh, disagreement of the level it should be valued at, and I'm going to come together with you, and we're going to make it together. Isn't that good? Say yes. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to go over one of our major values in this church, and that is small group life. Uh, The value of small group life for us is probably the foundational piece. This church was started in our living room as a small group, and uh, and actually uh, has grown to what it is today. And so today, as we kind of go through our value, our cultural value of small groups, I thought, I shouldn't sit here and talk all about it, especially when I've got Pastor Ryan and Sarah Wood as our small group pastors, and so Pastor Ryan has agreed to come up here with me today and help me kind of bring forth the culture of small groups. Would you give Pastor Ryan Wood a hand? Come on, give him a hand. So we're excited. He and I have been practicing for like three days, four days now. And uh, when we practiced last night, it was kind of awkward. We put our timer up here. We were the only ones at the building. And, of course, we were praying over all of you for a couple hours, like a month, and uh, and fasting like a meal, and uh, just asking God to do great things. And when we were up here practicing and preparing, you know, we took like 25 minutes. So we thought, oh, we'll be good. First service, I think we took... That's because we kept playing off of each other and talking faster and faster and faster. (laughs) And so... so, Yeah, exactly. So anyway, so if we go too fast for you, just hold on, okay? Put your your seatbelts on and go forward with that. Now, Pastor Ryan, you've been pastoring for over 20 years yeah, now. Yeah, it'll be 20 years. Um, it'll be 20 years next month. So, yep. yeah. And you've pastored in a lot of different environments. I have. Uh, we were Methodist missionaries. I'm ordained Baptist. I worked at Assembly of God's organization. Um, been to some Pentecostal ones. Y- yeah. You, you no, tried no. telling. No, you, you tr- did. I did not belong he, to that He church. was in West Virginia in a Pentecostal church in the mountains of West Virginia. That, that's true. Snake handling the that whole thing. That is not I'm true. You, that's what that he was. was the, I promise you, it was no, the one down the road. Is, they, they had a reality gonna, TV show about the church down the road. And the guy kept he kept his little pinky because they would handle snakes, and and the pinky fell off. And he because would, the snake bit him. Because the snake bit him, and yeah. he he did. They wouldn't get treatment, and so he he would shake it. He said, "This is what happens if you don't have faith." And he, <laughs> his little pinky with the nub sticking. I'm not kidding. Well, we're gonna that do, was not my church though. <laughs> that's what we're doing next week. What's wrong with that? Anyway. And so, so Pastor, Pastor Ryan, come uh, back. He, he has come a, back next He week. has a lot of different experiences, and and one of the things that as we talk today, that, Ryan, I want to start with this question for you: Why are you so passionate about small groups? Because you've pastored in a lot of different environments, you've seen a lot of different structures and strategies to pastor people and care for people. Why small groups? Why are you so passionate about it? Uh, short answer is: I believe that small groups change lives, yes, and true. I can speak just from my own experience. So. Um, our cultures were a little bit different when we got married, Miss Sarah and myself. I mean, she's a phenomenal, I love her, but we just did not have the same idea on everything. And so we got into an argument the first year or a couple years into marriage, and I don't even remember what it's about, but um, we had made our first purchase of a home, and we had jobs, and there were some issues with the jobs, and I don't even remember what the argument was about, but I got in my truck, and I said, you know what, I'm out of here. And I started driving, and I started driving toward, there was a new mall in the town, and that's not even my thing, I don't even know why I was going there, but I was going there. And um, on the way, God just said to me, hey, that street that's coming up here, that's the one that your small group now meets at. And in fact, they're meeting right now. We had just started going to a church. They had just started small groups. We'd been there you know, a few times. And I was like, fine, whatever, I'll go there. It's better than going to the mall. And so <laughs> I went in, 
And no, I y'all are fighting. Y'all are not. Well, well, no, we are angry. Oh, okay. We are angry. So you've left. Please like, do not bring peace. up what it was because okay. I don't remember. She, do, she don't remembers. let her remember. I'm telling you, don't she, call it to my She baby. knows what you were wearing and what she was she wearing. She does. Absolutely. And the color of the truck. A- absolutely. Um, but as we're going, as, as I'm going there, I walk in and they're like, hey, Ryan, where's Sarah? And I said, you know what? We got into a fight. Because she's an idiot, and she said this, and I said this, and she said this, and here's why she was wrong. And they're like, have, please, please defend me. They, they said, have a seat. They had small group. And then after small group, the guy who hosted it, he took me aside, and he said, um, you know, I, I know you're looking for some income. I actually have a landscaping job, um, and I pay cash. You, you want me to pick you up in the morning? I said, sure, I'll, I'll do day labor, absolutely. So, yeah. you know, I jumped in the car with him that morning, and he took me out to Taco Bell for lunch, his treat. <laughs> and so we're sitting down, and he says, hey, uh, I've been thinking about what you, what you said about your wife, and you're really wrong, and, and you really hurt her, and she probably will never forget what you've said. And I'm like, who do you think you are? You know, I didn't say, but I'm thinking, like, I don't want to make the guy mad because, one, he's paying my lunch. Two, he hasn't paid me for the day. And three, he's my ride. And so I didn't want to walk home. And so I'm like. You, you were a captive audience. I was a captive audience and cheap, too, because it was a burrito. And so. <laughs> You're a cheap date. He, and he says, you know why I can say that? It's because my wife and I, we were about to get divorced. Wow. He said, we were at court about to dissolve our marriage. And he said, the judge called a recess for lunch. And I went out to lunch and my mom was there and and my soon to be ex-wife was there and God worked a miracle. And we came back and he said, we are, they're still married. They were the ones hosting. And he said, we said, we want to stay married. And he said, and even though we're married and it's better than it's ever been, there are still scars. And just so you know, be careful with your Things words. That, that, you, he that, had that, said that he had said to her and, and she had said back. Wow. And he said, be careful with your words as a newlywed because the things you say will stick with your wife. And it impacted, it really, it, it honestly, it changed and probably saved my marriage. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm so passionate about small groups, uh, probably doctrinally and theologically more than any, 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 probably anybody you know. And, and it's the reason why is because when I started in ministry, I thought if I just preached better than everybody else, that people's lives would be changed. And so I really uh, focused on preaching and communicating. And you, you guys know I'm a pretty good communicator. And then I would I'd give these great messages and people were like, that was awesome. And they come back just as messed up as they were last week. And I was like, man, what's going on? And so then I realized, okay, if I move in the gifts, the word of knowledge, word of wisdom, power, healing, and start moving in gifts. And, man, people would fall on the floor and get healed and, and get a word from the Lord. And, and they would be like, this has changed my life. I met God today. And they come back just as messed up the next couple weeks as they were before. I was like, what is the deal? And as I studied, started, I, I, there's got to be an answer in his holy scripture. So I started studying the word. And I started in the book of Genesis and really found out, God's original goal and plan for humanity, and we see for his sons and daughters, we see it in the book of Genesis where he tells, he tells Adam and Eve, he says, listen to me. He said, your purpose is this. Fulfill my calling on your life by subduing the earth, having dominion over it, and go and reproduce. I'm paraphrasing, of course. But he says, fill the earth, reproduce. And what we see in the nature of God is that what he's done in us, he wants us to reproduce that in others. And as you go throughout the scriptures, you see this constant concept of discipleship, which discipleship is nothing more, as we see in Proverbs, as iron sharpeneth iron, so one man sharpens another, like this man did with you. We see theologically that when Jesus walked the planet, that he could have done anything he wanted to do. He could have set up a giant temple. We could have all go there. He could have come in this era and video, video himself and sent us all our own, you know, our own links to YouTube, and this is how we're going to serve God, and this is what it looks like. But instead he came and he lived it out 
amongst 12 men. He reproduced what he was in them, and then he entrusted them with the entire gospel of Jesus. He entrusted it into them, and then they taught to, it says, entrust those to reliable men and women, and so forth, and so forth, and so forth. In fact, we see the New Testament church very much as they set it up. They set up the New Testament church meeting house to house and in temple courts. They met in the temple weekly because that's where the word of God was at. They, they didn't have Bibles that they could carry like we do today. They, there were scrolls. They were handwritten. They were passed down. They, they were being re, you know, you know, rewritten uh, and copied for other uh, synagogues to have. And so if you didn't go to the synagogue, you didn't get the reading of the word. So they would do that as, as new Christians, and then they would meet house to house, and they would encourage each other, strengthen one another. And literally, that was the model that the New Testament church set in place. And somehow, over the years, we've gotten away from that. So for me, theologically, it's a critical component for me because I know that my role, according to Ephesians, is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. My job is not to go do the ministry for you, but to equip you because when we look at the parable of the talents, God's going to judge you and me whether or not we reproduced. And he says it very clearly. He says, and the master went away, and having entrusted them with talents, he comes back with an expectation that they will have reproduced. And each one of them had reproduced except for one. And he says, get rid of that lazy and worthless service because they never, what I gave them, they never did anything with it to help anybody else. And I'm paraphrasing, of course. And I see this theologically all throughout the scriptures. And my role as lead pastor is to equip you so that when you stand there on the day of judgment and you stand there on the judge, at the judgment seat of Christ, that you're not found wanting or you don't have anything to bring, but each and every one of us have made disciples, which is the great commandment. And so we see that Absolutely. that's really kind of why we're so passionate about a- absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, well, and, and practically, I mean, it, it, you, it, you've got to cultivate that relationship. And, and that's what he had done with me. I mean, he earned that right to speak into my life. And because of that, there's fruit that's bare. Yeah, and it changed your life. Yes. Now, I want to ask you this question, and, and maybe you and I can answer this together. And that is, uh, what are some of the unique traits of Church on the Hill small groups? Because we don't do them like everybody else does exactly. Because it's our house. Right. It's our culture, how we do things. And yeah. so let's go through some of the unique traits for just a moment. I think one of the ones, and... and Miss Sarah and my, I, myself get asked this all the time is, um, you know, well, where's the, where's the single moms group or where's the young marrieds group? Or, we don't have those because we believe in diversity. Yeah. And, and what that means is I need somebody that's, you know, a little further along. My kids are in junior high getting ready to go into high school next year. And, um, you know, I need somebody. It's great having somebody who's got kids in high school or somebody that's, you know, they've sent them off to college and can speak to that era of my life. And in the same way, there's folks that are just getting new, you know, engaged or yeah. they're newlyweds and they got toddlers. Man, if you have a group that is just that monoculture that's just everybody is the same, it seems great at the beginning. And, you know, yeah, because you're like, oh, we have the same problems. Everything, everything is the same. same stage of life. Yes. But that doesn't, that doesn't, that's not it, long-term. It's not a long-term solution. I mean, and, I mean, you can look throughout all kinds of – look at coal country where we ministered. That was one of the issues there. It's a monoculture. You know, it was great when coal was there, but then when coal started leaving, nobody had anything in common, and yeah. 75% of the houses are empty. Right, because, because they all worked in the, in the coal mine. In the exact same thing. Well, so. You know, to that point, uh, I pastored uh, for a season uh, in Arlington, and we had uh, small groups that were um, – they were specialized, you know, and uh, I'll never forget we had a single, uh, single, single mom's uh, uh, small group, you know, uh, uh, you know, and I thought that was, the, the, it was awesome. We were so excited because, oh, you're a single mom too. Well, we've got a single mom small group. It was awesome because the, like, when they first came in, they're like, oh, you got the same problem I have. Oh, you understand what I'm going through. Oh, that was awesome the first six weeks. But about the seventh week, they're like, you got the same problem I got. 
Nobody can help me. Who's going to help me fix my car? Yeah, when are you going to watch my kid? Who's going to watch my kid? You know? and, and so you had the same problems because it was, it, was so, it was so specialized. We really believe in diversity, and we believe that in diversity, yes. there is supernatural unity. Absolutely. And, and Scripture power. talks about that. In 1 Corinthians, um, you know, Paul is letting them, hey, guys, we can't all be in the ear. You, if you're all in, if we're all in ear, where's the sense of sight? We're going to yeah. bump into stuff. If we're yeah. all eyes, where, where's the sense of smell going to be? That we're not all the same. We need each other. I need you, and you need me. You need my life experience, and I need your life experience. And yeah. so that's why we don't have like that monoculture in our yeah. in our small group. That's true. But one of the other pieces that's real uh, um, unique to us, or that's very important to us. Is transparency. Absolutely. It's huge for us that we would be transparent. You see that in me and Miss Jamie. We're constantly just open. What you see is what you get. People all the time will say, you know, uh, you know what I love about this church is just it is what it is. I don't know about you, but being fake is too hard. I'm just tired of it. I don't want to have relationships. Oh, God bless. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh mm, yeah. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. And I'm thinking, I want to kill somebody right now. Hallelujah. Like, this week sucks, you know? I mean, we don't have to be idiots, and we don't have to be perverts and, 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 and revel in our sinfulness. But my God, can we not just be real? and Can we not be honest? And I just want to be in that kind of church. I don't care what it takes to be that. I want to be transparent. And, and there's a, write this little statement down, because here's the key to transparency. And that is this, is that transparency is the result of trust. Is it not? It's the result of trust. And trust takes time to develop, doesn't it? Yep. In other words... I, I, I can be transparent with you if I trust you. But it's hard to be transparent with somebody that I don't trust yet. And so to walk into a small group for the first time and say, Guys, I want y'all to pray for me. I have homosexual tendencies and I want to kill somebody right now. You know, that, I don't expect any of that to happen. But I think transparency happens as we build trust. That man built trust with you. He'd been yep. in a small group a couple of times. Yep, yep. He, he was, he was going to help you financially. Absolutely. He was doing what he could to reach out to you. And in that moment of trust, a moment of vulnerability, and you were transparent, he was able to speak to that. And I think what's missing a lot in church life is we don't know how to be transparent with each other. And, and like you said, it takes time. So from a practical standpoint, this is one of the things that, you know, we'll have folks come and say, oh, pastor, we finally, we, we want to be a part of a small group. Where do I go? Which small group do I go to? And we're not going to legislate that to you that's because good. that's something that, that is you've got to find your niche and it's sort of like looking for a house when uh when i moved to dallas i moved about a month or so ahead of my family because i was looking for a house i was homeless essentially thank god for godly men and women that opened up their door to me (laughs) i'm not even joking and so but i would look at six or seven houses in a day because you know oh well this one's good this one we looked at one you didn't find your dream house the first moment didn't didn't walk in in fact one of the very first houses we walked into they were big cedar hill fans and they painted even their faucets black and red not even joking and so yeah it was not the house for me so <laughs> i love cedar hill but i mean bro you was, need to get in the culture was a little over the top yeah i was a little over the top um but we looked at a whole bunch and then finally we found the one that went from a house to being home it's that same way with small groups it you is. know try out if you go to the first one and you're like these are my people this is this is exactly what i've been looking for praise god that happens yeah. that happens but they're not going to be offended if you say hey you know you guys are the first one i tried thank you so much you guys have been great hosts they're not going to say oh gosh what did we do wrong yeah. they're going to there's freedom to try out a couple of small groups now yeah. don't bounce every time yeah. things get rough that's a different issue but try out a few until you feel like hey this could be home i could be and on the transparent. back and on the back side of that concept listen let me explain something to you, you you're not going to find the perfect small group because no. the moment you walked in it stopped being perfect you say oh pastor you so mean no i'm serious we're just we're all imperfect right 
And so, you know, I, 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 I'm living in a house that is not my perfect house. But right now, it provides for me in a way that I couldn't do any other way. You're not homeless. I'm not homeless. And so at least I got somewhere to stay. And so at least start connecting relationally. And that transparency, I know it takes time. And we're, and we're comfortable with that. Here's one of the other pieces. Won't you jump into this next one? And that's real specific to us. And that's yeah, integrity. I, 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 I'm, I'm, <laughs> and this you, is a big one for well, me. Well, that's why I wanted this you to is, lead this out is, on. This is one if... I'm generally pretty mellow. I, I mean, I can be excited, but I'm generally pretty mellow. You're a nice guy. When I get frustrated, it's when I find out that somebody has shared something outside of group without the permission of that person who shared it. And so the rule, the, the expectation is, and we've said it in multiple groups, what we say in group stays in group unless you get the permission of the person that said it to share it outside a group. Because the last thing... And I, ooh, I will I get frustrated even just thinking about it. The last thing I want to find out about as a pastor is some precious person has shared a struggle and they've wound up on a prayer list. They've got, oh, pray for so-and-so. They put them on Facebook. Oh, you know, I'm just, they're really struggling with this. We need to pray for them. Or even a Facebook group. I've seen those. all oh, group messages. Ooh, gets me frustrated. And it reminds me of back in the day. I was, um, this was back a long time ago when people had to type things ooh. and then Xerox copy things. When was it was that? not a tablet. When was that? It was a while ago. 1800s? And, no. And, and so here's the thing. I was making bad choices. I will admit to that. But y'all didn't need to put my name, type my name down on a list, make photocopies of it, and hand them out. I'm not joking. They did it. And so I go to school the next day, and my name is on a list. Pray for Ryan because he's making bad life yes, choices. Yes, I was making bad life choices, but you don't got to share it with everybody. And that was the one period of time in my entire yeah, life where yeah. I took a chunk and I said, God, I don't even want to go to church. Right. I'll spend time with you, but not with your people yeah. because I was so frustrated with them. So you want to see me get mad? You want to see me get frustrated? Yeah. If you get a call from me that says, hey, I found out you've been sharing stuff outside a group, let's, we'll have a conversation. You know, George Barna did some uh, statistical research a few years back and he came back with 80% of Americans claim to be Christian, or 82% of Americans claim to be Christian. But only of that 82%, I think it's like, I, I don't have it exactly right, but it's like only, only um, 30-something percent go to churches. And the other, you know, however many percent, 60-something, whatever percent was, uh, said that I love God, but I don't love church. Yeah. I don't like people because the people hurt me and offended me. And, and I just want to speak to that for a second. You know, uh, I, I preached this whole thing um, out of the book of Matthew, chapter 24, which says, uh, in the last days, the love of most will grow cold. Uh, that most people will fall away from the Lord. Their love for him will grow cold. And I have, a, in my opinion, I've identified the reason that is primarily, in my opinion, is not the false teaching and the false prophets. I believe it's because we get offended at one another. And I just want to say this to you about, about people making mistakes and not always having integrity and things like that. Um, welcome to life. Yeah, that's true. And I, and I say it like this. Um, if, if you've been coming to church on the hill and we haven't offended you yet, just keep coming. We're going to get you eventually. Because can, can I just tell you something? The true test of love is can I offend you and you'll still love me? That's right. Because until, it's, until that point, it's just infatuation. Wow. You say, oh, we love our pastor. He's so awesome. Come live with me. Come live with me for about a week. And you'd be like, man, all he does is move his hands around when he talks. I can't, he's driving me insane. Right. Because to really love someone, you've got to fight through. That's why the Bible says love covers a multitude of sin. We're fighting for integrity in our small groups. We, we, we have some real strong uh, uh, pieces in that. But at the end of the day, love has to win out. Yep. And it has to keep moving forward. Here's our next piece that's real important to us. or Something that's kind of specifically, I think, to us is everyone in our small group gets ministered to. And everyone ministers. That's a real passion for us in our small group life. Um, if you think that you're just going to come and sit and receive and receive, what you are is a sucker branch. 
And the scripture talks about those sucker branches are to be cut off and thrown into the fire. Right. In fact, just the opposite, each and every one of us, when we gather according to Scripture, we're supposed to bring something to minister. And I'll, I'll quote that passage for you out of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26. It says, And when, uh, what shall we then say, brothers, when you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. Now, now that's not, how could that be talking about Sunday mornings? Can you imagine if every one of you showed up this morning, I have my word. I have my word to share. I have my word of encouragement. I have a psalm, Pastor, that God gave me in the night last night. We would be here. You'd all have to quit your jobs. We, we, we would be all day, Absolutely. every day for the next month. Why? That's not talking about it there. It's talking about the church as it met in its real component, and that is in small group life together. And when you come together in a small group gathering, whether that be at a restaurant, whether that be you know, through Facebook, however you're going to come together in small group life with folks, that you have something to give. Not just always taking, but always giving. And that's a key point of our, our, our dynamics in this church, is we refuse to have just sucker groups where you know, someone teaches you something and you just sit and listen. Mm, you just sit you're just a up. participant. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're a spectator, not a participant. That's exactly right. So, and... and you know, one of the best examples of this that I can think of is, and we've got a video of Undong, yeah. who is just, he's an amazing man of God who, who um, found the Lord while he was in prison. His family has is, um, got a Buddhist background wow. and just the, some of the amazing ways that God has used small groups in his life. So if you guys would play that video. Let's let him see this. We'll step aside so you can see Undong and his testimony. My name is Dong, and uh, I've been on Church of Hills little bit over the years. Like I say, you know, I've been doing a lot of things um, in my life that really didn't wish to do. I've been in prison, been incarcerated before, yes. One day I met this man, make a long story short, I met this man had, uh, don't know what he ended up for, which he lived next to me, and he uh, told me that he don't know why he ended up for, but he believed that we got calling. And that man had walked me through every moment of my hearted life. And it's so amazing how I beat the case, which is something I didn't do. I got blamed for, I beat the case, and I can't wait to come back to, to tell this man that, you know, that found me not guilty. But when I come back, that man not even there. Yeah, and to me, it's like God has sent an angel to, to bring me back to where I'm supposed to be. And I heard about a small group, and uh, it's like a prayer answer for me because I want something different in my life. So I pray God about it. You know, I want to do something different on a day off. And when I meet uh, this young lady that told about a small group, and I was like very excited. I feel like the prayer answer for me. So, you know, and we started our little small group, and it growing and growing. And we became not just a small group, but like a family. His family getting bigger and stronger. It, it's so beautiful how God put it together where we, you know, struggle daily uh, in life. We can able to reach out for others, you know, to get help or to give help, you know, to each other. And I'm looking forward for every next small group to go to. I was like very, no matter what happened, I want to be there, you know. It's like, you know, whenever I into trouble or don't know what to do. Small group, it's uh, it, people who I can come around to and ask for prayer, ask for a reach out, you know, like, hey, I'm, I'm falling, I need some help. 
and they will be there. So they're very, very important in my life that God has placed them in my life. If you ever had a problem in your life and you're struggling, you need to, have, you, you want to look for somebody to share, small group will be the one, you know, because we, whatever we share in the small group, we stay in the small group and that's the way it's been, you know, but when you spoke it out with your problem you're going through, you know, it's a lot better feeling, you know, than how you share with, you know, people that who you consider like a Christian family to you. So, you know, it, I would tell them, you know, hey, maybe you need to try this small group out and you might be able to enjoy it, you know, and next thing you know, they will be your family as well as mine. <laughs> oh, come on, give it up for him. Wasn't that a great story? <laughs> now, Ryan, you got, you got to tell the rest here, of the story. Here's the rest of the story. So, Undong is um, just growing like crazy. He gets a job in Houston. Um, he lives in Dallas. He lives in, he, well, yeah, he church. lived in Dallas. He's coming to our church, and he gets a job in Houston that's a great job. And he goes, and he tries a couple weeks without small group, and he goes, look, I wanted to kill people on the job site. <laughs> so he, 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 he told his job, he said, Wednesdays. Was, was it a ministry position? No, it was, it was not. not. Okay. <laughs> he said, Wednesdays, I'm leaving at 2 o'clock, whether the job is done or not. He was installing um, cell towers. He said, whether the job is done or not, I'm leaving. I know I'm in charge. But I'm leaving. You guys get it taken care of because you don't want to work with me if I haven't been to small group. And so he would drive from Houston, Texas to Dallas to go to small group. The next morning, he would get up early and drive back so that he could be to, at Houston and work his job. And God has brought him back up here to Dallas. So praise God for that new job. But, crazy. but yeah, he, he wasn't going without it. I just thought it was crazy. So he drives through throughout the afternoon, yep. gets here for small group, yep. uh, stays at somebody's house, yep. sleeps the night, gets up at 3 o'clock in the morning, drives back so and, he can be at work for back. 8 o'clock. Yep. That's committed right there. Yep. That's a transformation. He I, made more small groups than I felt like I did. <laughs> One of the final traits that we want to mention about our small groups is that we're missional. And, uh, and, and friend, I'm going to tell you something. We kind of alluded to that in the beginning of this uh, presentation, but we are very missional. I, I spoke about our church being missional to you in November if you weren't here. Uh, we're not going to be a church. It's a social club. Uh, people are dying and going to hell, and they're going to spend eternity separated from God. And we have to reach out. We have to do what Christ did. And loving not ourselves, but laying down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. And so our small groups are not going to be little cliques and things like that. We're very missional. In fact, uh, Josiah, uh, I don't see him. He's always running around fixing stuff for us. Josiah's a true evangelist. And we've, we've uh, secured his, his evangelistic calling. And he goes from small group to small group, taking those small groups out, doing outreaches and loving into the community and street witnessing and, and uh, block parties to get the neighbors over. And we, we have you know, a little, little bit of budget to help do that and that kind of thing. And it's just we've just seen so many people's lives touch. Mary just put it together. We're going to be missional. And that really comes back to, again, I mentioned this earlier, but it comes back to Matthew chapter 28 as Jesus is ascending into heaven. And his disciples are all standing there looking at him. He makes a final statement. Don't you think that would be a pretty important thing that he's about to say? I mean, if your daddy's on his deathbed and goes, Son, one thing to tell you before I go. What, Dad? Take out the trash. I mean, I, you know, whatever it might would be. I mean, you're hanging on that word, right? So it, it, and Jesus says this statement. He says, Go and make disciples. Of all men, I'm paraphrasing, it's on the screen for you. Teaching them to obey. Go and make disciples. Friend, you and I, this is called the Great, the great Commission. You and I are all going to be held accountable. And when we stand on that day, did we obey this? And so small group life for us 
Set us up in a place where you can bring friends and neighbors and coworkers, and you can get to know people and you can love folks and you can reach out and we can change the world one hurting soul at a time. So it's very important to us. Now, Pastor Ron, go ahead. You had something I was, was going to say that, yes, that is absolutely missional. That is what's going to sustain a group because you may Agreed. come and say like, man, this is the group. I never had brothers and sisters growing up and these are like the brothers and sisters I never had. This is a family I've never had. And, and that's great. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's insufficient because what, right. what you need to do, what we all have in common, doesn't matter the number of zeros in your bank account versus the, them in mine, doesn't matter the color of your skin, doesn't matter what your right. background is, right. doesn't matter whether you're single or married. The thing we all have in common is that we all love Jesus yeah. and we're all doing our best to serve him. And that is the mission that, that mission. as we're heading toward that, that there'll be that unity. And that'll blow way beyond yeah, that. Yeah, we're just mission family. really does yes. create unity. Yes. Mission really does. It, it, it's not finding the exact same people like you. It's about getting in a mission, a purpose. Yes. And, and that's where our diversity comes into, get into play and say, wow, all of this diversity moving in the same direction for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, yep. that mission creates the unity that the world is really trying to figure out. Yes. Uh, and we have it right here in the body of Christ. Now, over the years, you and I both have had this experience where folks really struggle sometimes to connect in community. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the break points of my heart is that people would come to a service, get touched by God, love Jesus, but never have any Christian friends, never have any community. And so what have you found to be, we'll call them speed bumps. Yeah. What have you found to be some of the speed bumps for people getting into community, actually getting connected in, 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 in you know, Christian life with others? What, what do you so found? I think one of them is, uh, and it's a, it's a common one, is they just have no frame of reference. They have no framework. Never for done this. it before. Like, don't they've never done this before. So like, kind of like me dancing. Yeah, like yeah. you're talking about this. Like this don't make any sense to me. You know, it really doesn't. How do you describe the taste of an orange to somebody that's never had an orange? I mean, yeah. I don't know. It's not this. It's not that. So, so some people just don't have a framework, and that can become that that can daunting. It's like unknown. Yeah, this is weird. It's scary. Yeah. Fearful. Absolutely. Are they so, going to ask so, me to handle a snake? So now? What, what what has been your what has been your um, you know advice to someone? Say, look, I know you've never done this before, and you have some fears and some concerns. But here's what I would suggest. To Honestly, you. folks, I would say, and I've told people the opposite because there have been churches that we've been a part of that I don't believe in the life groups that they have because they're they're in cliques or whatever. And yeah. I've said you don't want to go to a small group here. <laughs> I've, I'll be real because I'm not giving up a disciple that really has a chance here. Folks, I promise you that our small groups are the most life-giving that I have ever seen in 20-plus years of ministry. They're people of integrity. They're people who love you. If you want to try it, you want the safest place to try this, it's Church on the Hill. That's That's just my experience, and based on 20-plus years, this is so just try it. One of the other speed bumps that I see is uh, those people who have had a bad experience. Yeah. So connecting back into the life. Found your name on a list. Exactly. And that bad experience can cause us to be like, look, I'm never trying it again. But I, you know, what, what's that old famous statement? Better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Friend, let me tell you something. Especially those of us who are married. We probably had some bad dating experiences before, but we still ended up married. Why? Because you're going to have some bumps along the way. You're going to have some negative things, but what you do is you fight through till you find the thing that's life-giving for you. So my counsel to you would be that, is that, you know, yeah, maybe you had a bad experience. Maybe you came from a church where they did something. Maybe we didn't do something right. Maybe one of our small groups just abandoned you or didn't treat you right or something like that. You went and visited and you're like, man, they, it was like all white people and they didn't even want to talk to me. And it, well, first you should have rebuked them. And then what you should do is, is just keep trying. We're going to find that spot 
because God has ordained us to be in relationship. Yes. And, Speak and, that Bonhoeffer and, well, thing. Well, I was going to say, yeah, bon, so Bonhoeffer, phenomenal um, pastor from Germany and all yeah. that. I mean, it's amazing stuff. But he, and he's way, way wordier and smarter than I am. And so I'm not going to do his whole quote. But one of the things that he, I'm paraphrasing now, is he says, if you don't like being in community, then don't plan on going to heaven. He said, because even though you're going to stand and have to stand on your own two feet and stand before God and answer for yourself, you'll be in a crowd of witnesses. And yeah. so, and he so says, the word says, surrounded by a you crowd of witnesses. are better in group than you are alone. It's and that's true. You're just hurting yourself and you're hurting me, but you really are hurting yourself if you, have the, if you don't have those connections. Yep. And, and then the, the third speed bump that, we, that we've identified today is that people are concerned about connecting with small group life simply because of the conflict of relationships. Yeah. And I'm just telling you, it's inevitable. Yep. Conflict is inevitable. What makes us family is that we fight through conflict to be family. Uh, I'm an only child. My wife is an only child. So all you guys with brothers and sisters, I never had, I, I've never been able to grab it until I got in small group life. I could not figure out why you could knock each other out cold, <laughs> silly. Talk about, I hate you, I'll kill you. And then the next day, y'all are best friends, and you're fighting me because I looked at your sister wrong. I never could figure that whole thing out. Because you know what it is? It's family, right? Because at the end of the day, you've made a decision that we have the same last name, we have the same parents, yep. and, and, and so no matter what happens, no matter how mad I get at you, we're still going to be family. We've got to do that with the body of Christ. We've got the same father. We've got, we've got the same, we were birthed into, into the, the life of God through the Holy Spirit and the, and the cross. We have this unifying factor, and no matter how mad at you I am this week, I'm still going to love you forever, and you're still going to love me, and so we have to fight through. Conflict is inevitable. If you're scared of conflict, friend, that's just life. And, and fighting through that is where the real friendship comes. That's depth. I mean, that's, that's family. I mean, I, I had a sister, so she can tell you all the stories of gum in the hair and, you know, <laughs> cutting your pigtails off and all that. But I dare you to say something. She cut something. your pigtails off. Oh, yeah. that, she was I terrible. Did. No, yeah, she cut my pigtail. Exactly. <laughs> but, but yes, that is real depth. It is. Fighting through those. The things. last piece that we've identified as a speed bump for us many times is that sometimes people are just busy. Just speak, busy. Speak they're, to that. they're so busy. And so, you know, that's, uh, Sarah and myself, we'll be out eating with a couple um, and just talking about small groups. And a lot of times there'll be people that are like, man, I really feel like maybe I should be a small group leader, but it's just so much time and so much effort, and I don't know about all these things. And, and you know, we let them go on, and then about halfway through the meal I say, hey, just so you know, it's, it's you and us, right? And, and you brought your friends here, and um, so... This is small group. Because we look at small group in, we look for three things in small group. The first thing is this. I say, hey, are you, and, and sometimes people say like, man, am I, I don't, am I doing this right? No, there are three it, goals. It looks different. And so I ask them these three goals. So here's, here's the first goal is this. Are you growing closer to God? Are the people in your group growing closer to God? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, are you guys growing closer to each other? Oh, yeah, it was awesome. So-and-so was sick the other day. We went over and picked up their kid from school, and then we brought him a meal. Okay, so you're growing closer to God. What about, is it an open group, or are you guys like a closed-off click? Oh, no, man, we want people to come all the time. We told, in fact, our neighbors, there was only a few of us, we went over knocked on the door and said, hey, man, you want to come over and have some chili? Uh, okay, that's three out of three. Those, those are the three things, and you see the light bulb come on like, oh, dude, I yeah, can because, do that. Because many people have come from a background where a small group is every Friday night. Yeah. You got to get home from work. You got to get the kids, you know, something to eat on the way to small group. You get there, you get to somebody's house, they have a lesson, you got to sit there and listen to the lesson, and it's, and it's 9 o'clock by the time Brother Broke and so-and-so finished talking, and then you get in your car and you drive home and you've lost your entire Friday night, and you have to do that week after week. Yeah, I don't want to be a part yeah. of that either. Yeah, and who's watching the kids and all kinds of other stuff. And, Look, and so what we've, what we've done is we've said, listen, small group for us looks like this, a group of people who can 
gather together in any capacity. Some of our small groups meet once a month, but they're on the phone with each other all throughout yep. the week. They're, they're checking it. They sit with each other on Sundays. I mean, what we're talking about is finding community, yep. and community dictates. Community dictates what the structure looks like. We have three goals. Are you growing in God? So we had a small group for a while that just met on Facebook. They just encouraged each other on Facebook for a few weeks. And, and, and like, are you growing in God? They're like, yeah, we're growing in God. Are you becoming better friends? Yes, we really are. Are anybody getting saved? Not yet. Okay, well, let's, let's transition that to where you can actually affect people. And so those, the, this is what it looks like for us. So being too busy is probably coming from a concept of, of a program, of, of what they've experienced in yeah. the past. And so what we're trying to communicate to you clearly is we want you to have Christian friends. Bro, you keep getting pulled, to, pulled back into the bars with your old bros, and your wife is sitting there looking at you, trying to get you to come to church, wondering, can I stay married to this guy? What you need is good Christian community. Sister, let me tell you something. You've got some issues, girlfriend. I love you, but you've got some issues. And you know what? You think that a counseling appointment is going to fix it all? No, you just need to get closer to another woman who halfway loves Jesus as much as you do. And between the two of you, you're going to sand each other down, and it's going to be all right, I promise you. What I have learned in life, preaching doesn't change everybody. All the gifts of the Spirit don't change everybody. Disciples make disciples. Right. Not sermons, not, 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 uh, not events. And as we connect with one another... You have no idea how this man in my life and a couple of the other men that, that I do life with and small group life with, you have no idea how they strengthened me, how they've encouraged me, how we've been sitting there at times and they're talking about something and I'm just sitting there going, man, I need to change that. I mean, Pastor Ryan and I were talking last night. We were just talking, shooting shop, and he goes, yeah, uh, you, know, uh, you know, our kids, you know, we put them in their rooms and we have them go to their rooms about 8, 9 o'clock just so they can decompress. And he's, and, and he's talking about it and I'm just thinking, we don't. We sit in front of the TV and have more problems. Just thinking, I need to change that. Just him just being him. You see how we can strengthen each other. So if you, if you will with us, I want you to believe to find Christian friends that you can do life with in your local church and your body of believers. I know some of you have ministries and some of you have friends back from your old church and that's all. Those are awesome things. But we're on a mission to change the world one hurting soul at a time. And I'd like you to unify in this body of believers. I know you got your kids and your grandkids, and you're really busy with all that, your three jobs that you're working. But friend, at the end of the day, who's going to stand around your, who's going to stand around your casket and say, "He changed my life. She made a difference in me. I wouldn't be a Christian if it wasn't for them." At the end of the day, you and I need relationships more than we need anything else. And in those Christian relationships, God strengthens us. And he causes us to be able to strengthen others. Would you stand with us all across the room today? As we go to close, I want Pastor Ryan to pray over us. You know, we all got some of those speed bumps that cause us to be apprehensive to getting in relationship with other believers. But I'm just asking that God would help us and alleviate that and put courage in us again. So, Pastor Ryan, would you pray over us? Yes, please. God, we love you. And we know, God that your desire from the very beginning has not been for us to walk alone. You said it's not good that Adam is alone, God. It's not good that we try to do this on our own. So, God, I pray right now for those speed bumps to be removed, for it to be a smooth drive, God, for those past experiences to fall off and say, you know, I'm going to give it another shot, God. For those people that say, I've never done this before. This seems, I don't know what they're talking about. It's foreign to me. I pray, God, you would give them an inspiration and excitement about, I'll give it a shot. God, for those people who have had 
maybe bad experiences, God, that that would fall away, God. And for the people that worry about time, oh, this is going to take so much time, God, I pray you'd give them those creative thoughts and say, you know what, I, I could do this. I can make this phone call. I mean, we, maybe, maybe we could get connected this way. And, and I don't have it all figured out. And I don't need to have it all figured out. But I, I need to be mentored and I need to mentor. I need somebody that, that can be that 2 a.m. friend for me that I can call when I'm really struggling. So, God, I speak life and and life of relationships over your people, God. There'd be divine connections, divine appointments. Even today, they would look over and say, hey, what group are you in? I sit next to you. I like you. What group do you go to? You know what? I'd love to have you come this next week. God, I pray blessings of depth and blessing of relationship and connection in Jesus' name over your people. Would you just keep your head bowed for a moment? I'm just, I'm just really tugged by the Lord. If you're in this place, we're talking about relationships. We're talking about connecting with the body of believers. But maybe you've not connected with the Lord. Like you're not even sure if you're a Christian. Listen, I got good news for you. God's not mad at you. You're not a bad person. You're not a whore. You're on a journey point and you're here today. And, and, and Jesus is waving the flags and flashing the lights to try to get your attention to say, I love you. And I want a relationship with you. Maybe you say, well, well what do I have to do? here's the beauty of it. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. But Jesus died on a cross so that our sins could be forgiven. In other words, he paid it forward. He filled up our account with billions and billions of dollars, if you will. And every sin that we ever commit, every bit, it's already covered. The bill is already covered. He said, well, then, then what's my role? Well, your role is simply this. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he's the Christ, if you'll make him your Lord, and just say, Jesus, you're, you're, my, you're my father. I, I want you in my life. He says that he'll cleanse you and forgive you of all unrighteousness. You'll become his son and his daughter. He said, well, how do I go about doing that? Well, the Bible's real clear again. Confess with your mouth. I would love to lead you in a prayer of dedication to the Jesus, a prayer of repentance of your sin. I don't want to humiliate you. I don't want to pull you forward and make everybody look at you. I'm talking about a personal thing that's happening right now between you and your God who created you. Maybe you say, Pastor, I used to serve the Lord, but life happened, stuff happened, and, you know, I came here today, but I'm not sure, you know, about, about church stuff, but I know that I miss God. Friend, He misses you. Maybe you say, Pastor, I, I've never been a Christian. I don't, 100% sure I understand everything you're talking about, but you do recognize the truth that the great Creator wants a relationship with you. In either one of those situations, I want to pray with you today. So you say, that's me, Pastor. No one's looking around. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Would you just today... Would you be sincere and authentic for, for just a few moments? If you're away from God, you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, would you let me bring you back to him? Would you let me introduce you? Can I, can I lead you in a prayer of repentance? If you say, yes, pastor, that's me. If that's you saying yes right now, would you just lift your hand and identify that and say, yes, I'm ready to come back to the Lord. God bless you. Thank you for your heart. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Anybody, thank you, sir. God bless you. Anybody else? Pray for me. I, thank you, pastor. I want to I come back to the Lord. I want you to pray with me. I want to I know the Lord. Anybody else? I'll give you about three seconds. I won't, I won't belabor the point. I'll just give you a chance to respond to God's tugging at your heart. Is there anyone else? About two seconds left. One. Anybody? Quickly. Your hand goes up, down. Amen. You can put your hands down. I saw those hands. Now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer of connecting you to Jesus. And from that point forward, he's going to build that relationship. You and him are going to become best friends. It'll take some time to understand his ways and his culture, but you'll get it. But today, I'm going to connect you, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer of repentance. We're going to say this prayer out loud together, and I'm going to ask everyone in the audience to pray it out loud with you. Most of us have already come to this place, repented and cried out to God, and he's forgiven us. But today is your moment. Today's your special day. And I want to lead you in that prayer. Say it like this with me. Say, Jesus. Jesus. Out loud, a little better. Jesus, Jesus. 
Today, I surrender my life, my desires. I ask you to forgive me. I admit I'm a sinner, but I ask for your grace. And I declare in front of everybody, Jesus is my Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life because I promise to serve you all the days of my life in Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for a moment. Father, I pray for every man and woman who lifted their hand and said that prayer from the depths of their heart. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that they would feel your peace, that they would know that they are forgiven, that they don't have to do 2,500 Hail Marys, they don't have to give money to the church, they don't have to sign up for the kids' ministry, that they are forgiven. They are yours. They can walk out of this place with their shoulders back and their head held high. No matter what they've done, no matter what they've been. And know that they are a new creature in Christ. That old things are now passed away. All of it, all the old past. But even the old temptations. I thank you right now, Lord God, they won't even matter. Even the old longings and the lustfulness for whatever it may be in life. That they won't even care about it. But this love relationship with you now has started. And I pray, Lord God, it would permeate every part of their being, every part of their fiber of their body, their mind, their will and emotions would be just consumed with a real love for you so that they can sense that real love that you have for us. Father, I seal these things as done in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.